Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on MileHighSports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio 981 FM, 107.5 HD3 FM. I want to tell you about our friends over at Optimum Golf. It's been kind of a gray day, a little bit of snow falling, kind of damp, chilly, not really golf weather. Well, that's where our friends over at Optimum Golf have you covered. You can go to Optimum Golf in the Park Hill or Rhino neighborhoods and keep your game ready for the season. And now... It's time to get your custom-fit and custom-built clubs and get some lessons from their award-winning pros. Plus, you can keep your swinging shape in one of their virtual bays as you play some of the best courses in the world. Optimum Golf also has leagues and tournaments, or you can host a private party. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Eric Goodman on assignment, Doug Ottawa of milehighsports.com, and Mile High Sports Magazine, the editor of Mile High Sports Magazine, is here with me. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino and Blackhawk. All right, we touched on this a little bit earlier, Doug, in the uh, Rocky Mountain Forest products uh, shout out question. Can what's wrong with the Nuggets right now be remedied? I think it can. I think the best thing that can happen to the Nuggets is they get definitive, definitive news one way or the other on Murray and MPJ. Because part of me feels like this team is sort of that that group of guys that's in limbo trying to figure out, okay, what and who are we going to be when we get into the first round of the playoffs? Because, as you know, in the playoffs, the bench is shortened. It, it goes to a seven- or eight-man rotation. And I think right now, you know, Michael Malone is always experimenting with, with you know, nine-deep type situations. But – not knowing about two really significant guys, um, I think that has them in their head a little bit too. Um, do I think that will fix everything? No, but I, I think um, it, it's a step in the right direction. No matter what the answer is, they, they are coming back, they aren't coming back, one's coming back, one isn't. If you just know, I think it helps your mind space um, to get your head around what this team is going to look like in the playoffs and who's going to need to do what. Yeah, it's funny, as you were saying that, I was thinking um, back to something that John Fox would say. He didn't say it often here in Denver, but he'd say it in Carolina, and I covered him there for, and his team's there for a couple of years. In an injury-plagued season, he would say, no one's coming to save us. Basically right. saying, yeah. like, okay, just, just because we've lost these guys, we're going to have to figure out the solutions with what we have here on hand, because... There is no savior who's going to walk in and get us out of this. The solution is going to have to come from ourselves. And it does feel to some degree like as long as the possibilities of MPJ and Jamal Murray and really more Jamal Murray than MPJ coming back have existed, it's been like, okay, well, they just hang in there. We're, we're going to get MPJ back. We're going to get Jamal back. And this is going, and this is going to allow us to salvage the season. It's almost as if, if, the door were closed on this, and there may be some logic in closing the door on them if they're not, if they could somehow make make th- make their own injuries worse and derail their rehab from being back. 
But if they close that door, then it would be a realization that, all right, anything we do has to come from who's in this room right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also think that there's a risk if one of those guys comes back or both of them comes back outside of further injury or, you know, anything on that front. I think that there's a risk of this team. You know, look, they're not exactly playing great basketball right now, but up until this last little stretch, they had put together, they won, what, six in a row? I, I think there's a risk if, if one of those guys just comes back and is instantly inserted that it disrupts the flow anyway. Um, and, and look, you're always going to take a Jamal Murray and put him back in the lineup. You're always going to find a way to get Michael Porter Jr. some open shots if you have him at your disposal. But I, I do think that they run the risk, and especially because Malone is a tinkerer and he, he likes to you know, have a quick trigger and fool with different lineups and things like that. I think they run the risk of, of just getting completely out of sync if they just all of a sudden insert one of those guys. Yeah, I think. And the other thing is you have, you, you have to basically build the chemistry back up. And right. maybe have we reached the point where any chemistry you build, it's going to be maybe too little too late? Yeah, and, and I also think that it's a, it's a very naive assumption to assume that Jamal Murray is going to come back and be the guy that he was in the bubble mm-hmm. or that MPJ is going to come back and be the guy that beat the Trailblazers last year. I mean, it's, it, they have that ability. That's definitely their, their upside. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, an ACL, in my mind, especially in basketball, is, is as much mental as it is physical. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you come back from that. I mean, look at Clay Thompson. I mean, he has done, um, you know, he, he's getting back on track. But, I mean, it's been a long time. And I don't think that it's all mechanical. I think so much of that is, you know, are you thinking about it when you take a shot or drive to the basket? And I think Jamal Murray, especially with his game, and that's that's a high possibility that he he is thinking about that knee every single time he goes out there. With with kind of that thought in mind, if he goes back out there, if you were running things here, ten game ten games to go, seven games left at home. What would would you dare I say, kind of just bag the hopes of anything big this year to make sure you were one hundred percent starting twenty twenty two twenty three. I would, especially with Jamal Murray. Yeah, I think MPJ is a guy that, you know, given his injury history and his development and all those things, I think it's a it's a crapshoot that he's still not right or or that he's perfectly healthy, and they, they'll know that better than than any one of anybody else. But I think with him, I would I would feel more confident or less risky putting him back in the lineup with Jamal. If he's not a hundred percent at this point, I would just sit him down and say, look, get right, get yourself in physical shape, come back in in training camp and and be the guy we need. You know, at the beginning of this season, people talked about how this was a, you know, quote unquote wasted season because of the fact they were going to lose so many man games to, um, you know, those guys injuries. And, And I, to some extent I buy into that and you hate to be defeatist or whatever, you know, in October, November, but there's a reality to that in the NBA. And I think at this point, unless Jamal Murray just 
is lights out, ready to go, you know, Michael Jordan after the broken foot kind of thing. I just, I sit him down. I don't, I don't bring him back. I, I just, I don't think they're going to win it anyway. Yeah. So there's the risk is, is too high for me. Yeah. I've kind of come around on it. I, I've, I had thought that if you could have gotten Jamal Murray back getting limited minutes by right now, then exactly. and working his way up to where he could be helpful in the playoffs, kind of having a 10 game three week run up here that it might work. I, Right now, I mean, you're logically, if you're putting him back out there in the playoffs, how many minutes is he giving you? 15 or 20? It just, it doesn't seem like the juice is uh, worth worth the squeeze there. But I do think even, even if he doesn't come back and this season peters out, I don't think it was a wasted season, in part because you've learned something about some guys. In particular, I think you've learned that you have a pretty valuable piece there in Bones Highland and how he develops. Yeah, that's that's been the silver lining of this season in my mind, and could definitely be the silver lining of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is that w- w- no matter how far they go, if you're relying on Bones Highland to to do anything in the playoffs, he's getting really, really valuable playoff experience that he would have probably not gotten otherwise if, if those injuries hadn't taken place. I mean, Michael Malone has never been a guy that's you know, trusted a rookie with, with many minutes, especially in the postseason. So the fact that he could be, be a real integral part of any kind of playoff lineup, I think that's, that's a huge bonus. That's, that's almost as big for next year as it would be for this year to get, you know, one of your two injured guys back. So that's a, that's a big silver lining. And I'm okay with that. I mean, like I said, I, I don't have this vision that they're going to storm through the West and, you know, vie for an NBA title anyway. Mm-hmm. So if they get two rounds and, and Bones Highland get two rounds of playoff experience, I think that's huge for that, the next year. Absolutely, I agree. On the other side of this break here on Afternoon Drive with uh, Doug Ottawa filling in for Eric Goodman and me, Andrew Mason here. Do you remember Suwa Cravens? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> yes. If you've forgotten about him, briefly a Bronco in 2018 and 2019, You might remember him, and you're going to be interested in some of the things he has to say about the past regime. And he throws some, he he lops some grenades out there that are very interesting and may reveal part of why the Vic Fangio era ended in three consecutive losing seasons. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Doug Ottawill of Mile High Sports in for Eric Goodman. Andrew Mason here, Mile High Sports Radio, MileHighSports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Milehigh Sports Radio, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3 FM in Denver. Andrew Mason here, Eric Goodman on assignment, Doug Oddwell of Mile High Sports, the editor of Mile High Sports Magazine, filling in. I want to tell you about our friends over at Windfall Brewing Company, which it has something for everyone. 17 craft beers on tap, 
And they've got great food. Their new executive chef, who was once the sous chef at Shanahan's, makes a fabulous hand-butchered ribeye with a Cabernet mushroom demi-glace and a pan-seared salmon with charred broccolini. We had their food in here last week, and it was terrific. They have this southern buffalo chicken sandwich, which is crispy chicken, in-house buffalo sauce with blue cheese slaw, pimento cheese, and house pickles on a brioche bun. This thing was fantastic. This isn't bar food. This is real. This is good gourmet stuff. It's not. It's a dining experience. And while you're waiting, they got 23 pinball machines. Old school arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and dozens of your favorite, more of your favorite old-time arcade games. So head on up to the Orchard Town Center in Westminster. Make it a day or night at Windfall Brewing Company and check them out on the web at windfallbrewing.co. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. Sua Cravens, you probably haven't heard that name mentioned here in about two and a half years. He played five games for the Broncos, no starts back in 2018 as kind of a hybrid safety linebacker type as they tried to figure out a role for him. He was cut after training camp in 2019. That was the end of his NFL career. Anyway, he stirred up a tweet storm on Sunday, directed at former Broncos coach Vic Fangio, and even uh, our own Eric Goodman got into it, and there was a little bit of a repartee there. But among Sua Craven's stories, I'm going to read them verbatim here from Twitter. Quote, this was from when he was cut. Okay, so this is from when he was cut in 2019. Quote, messed up part is when I got cut, they asked me if I wanted to meet with Vic. I said yes and waited outside his door. I knocked and waited for 10 minutes. He was inside and chose not to meet with me. Imagine if I stormed out and caused a scene. It would have made headlines, quote, cancer, unquote. He rewinds back to the first day of OTAs in 2019, says, quote, first day of OTAs, me and Justin Simmons were talking about religion during warmups. Vic walked up only to me and said, quote, talk football or shut up, Sua, unquote, walked away from me, laughing face emoji. I looked at Justin and said, yep, I'm definitely getting cut, LMAO. It was the first OTA workout, all caps, two exclamation points, unquote. Also said this in regards to a team meeting, quote, normally the day after we have a team cut up of, of all the highlights from the last practice team meeting, at the team meeting, we cheered for guys who made plays during team or one-on-one periods. I had a practice where I had two INTs and two sacks, and Vic decided not to make a cut-up for the defense that day, laughing emoji. Laughing and crying emoji, I should say. I'm telling you, LOL, funniest part is after we broke the meeting and he said no defensive cut-up, I turned my head and spotted Justin Simmons looking at me like this with the emoji with the big eyes. Ha ha ha, couldn't help but laugh. I do my fingers like scissors to him, motioning to cut the cut and he'd tell me to chill but I knew Cravens also insinuates that Vic Fangio didn't like Drew Locke from the moment that he saw him in a shooting sleeve and a visor at practice and uh, one thing you know and over the course of those tweets Justin Simmons Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. liked some of them and at one point Harris responded with quote I'm a witness unquote how much credence do you put into what Cravens put out there yesterday well, you know, it's, it's, it's sour grapes for sure. That's how it comes across. But 
given the fact of a lot of guys, especially Justin Simmons, sort of validating some of the comments and the fact that Vic Fangio's gone. I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's still here that's, you know, highly revered. Um, I think that there's there's a decent dose of truth to what Cravens is putting out. I mean, it, it's never as credible when a guy that has sort of a gripe or a beef says it, but um, do I think that, uh, say, 75% of what he's saying is true? I do. I probably do. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think usually when you have one side of a story, there's the other side of it, and reality ends up being somewhere in between. Doesn't mean that reality is any is 50-50 in between. Sometimes it can be about 75-25. I think maybe, I'm not sure that maybe all the details would be completely right. right. Like, I, I, for ex- I would be really surprised, for example, if it was simply like he's talking about religion and, and Vic said, talk football or shut up. That, that, that would surprise me if it happened exactly that way. But I do, but kind of the general point behind it, that it was very much football, 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 not a lot of thought about the, the, the people behind what went on, not a lot of room for levity. I do think there's something to that just based on, you know, the, the little niblets that we've, uh, that we've, gotten over the last over the last few years regarding uh you know the the communication issues regarding just frankly how joyless things seemed at time and obviously losing factors in with that you can put up with a lot when you're when you're winning but when you're losing if there if there's not the effort to at least you know try to operate on a on a human level then I think there's 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 going to be a lot of frustration around there, and, and the fact that the t- that his teammates were liking the tweets, I think that said a lot too. Yeah, and you know I think you're right that that I doubt that these scenarios played out verbatim how Cravens lays them out, um, especially the religion one. That strikes me, and and I I wasn't there either, so this is pure speculation, but. It, that strikes me as a couple of guys yucking it up. Maybe religion was one of the talk, topics they were having. Coach comes by, probably doesn't know what the full spectrum of the conversation is, and says, hey, straighten up, we're, we're in football practice. Okay, I, I can see that as being both sides of that argument. But I think it boils down to a very general thing when it came to Vic Fangio, is that his age, and we always joked about it, but his age and his style – just did not mesh with the young modern athlete. And I think that's, uh, you know, you look at the move that they made and they went completely in the other direction and saying, let's find a guy that the modern athlete not only probably will get along with, but has gotten along with. And I think um, Vic Fangio's probably downfall is that he's an old crusty guy that understands X's and O's and, and didn't want to put up with a guy that wore a shooting sleeve. You know, I mean, that one to, that one to me tells me almost more than any of the other stuff that Craven says about, you know, his interactions is like, you know, should a guy be mad because his quarterback wears a visor and a shooting sleeve? I mean, he probably wore that every day of practice when he was in college, but it's just a, it's a different world. And, you know, in, in Vic's day, 
maybe that was perceived as cocky or unnecessary or lack of professionalism, but the modern athlete, that's just what guys do. And, and I don't necessarily think it means anything that much these days. Guys have been wearing visors since the eighties. Right. I, right. I mean, and, and the shooting sleeve, I mean, you know, how is that any different than a guy just wearing, uh, you know, wearing an, an undershirt basically, right. That, you know, wearing long sleeves. I mean, what's, that that thing I thought, man, I, I, I do, and I that's one where I will say, I'm not sure that, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the reason why Vic Fangio may, maybe didn't take the Drew Lock. That was yeah. That I'm, one I think maybe it, it kind of trying to put two and two together and not coming up uh, with with the right reason. I do I do think as time went on that one reason why. Drew Locke fell out of favor with Vic Fangio was it, and this would have been after Craven's head was no longer with the team would have been everything that went down in the Saints week in 2020 when first of all you know they had they did the thing where they, they took off the contact tracers put them in the corners of the room the quarterbacks did and then when confronted about it by by the team in the league chose to obfuscate rather than coming clean, which by and large was what led to the Broncos playing that Saints game without a quarterback. I mean, yeah, Vic Fangio should have had a quarterback separate from the rest of the team the whole time. He screwed, no doubt, that part he screwed up. But I think that what the quarterbacks did in terms of leading to a situation where the entire team had to go out there and play a game with a wide receiver at quarterback... I think that was that was something, and and Drew Locke being a part of that, and and not doing and and not stepping up and being on being honest, according to the multiple reports that came out after that, that uh, probably caused the coach to lose trust in the quarterback. Yeah, and that's very fair, and I and I would side on on Vic Fangio's side really for that. I mean, yes, I think both have, share some blame, and neither handled it very well, but I, that incident specifically speaks to Drew Locke's immaturity and if you could boil down you know one thing Vic Fangio didn't like was immaturity <laughs> and, yeah. and and it just wasn't going to work especially from that point on it wasn't but yeah the, some of the stuff boy Sue Cravens <laughs> I mean it's fun yeah. I'm glad that he gave us something to talk about today but it, it's always interesting when a guy leaves and then you know fires these salvos a year later mm-hmm. or longer than a year later, it, you know, I don't know. It, it makes for a, uh, you know, good afternoon talk show stuff. Yeah, it is. I, I, he, I think there was a little bit of strategy in waiting until well after Vic Fangio was no longer with the Broncos. And that certainly, that certainly gave, for example, Justin Simmons, uh, the ability to favorite the tweets. Right, because yeah. he doesn't. If Big Fangio is still the head coach, no way. Yeah, one thing I, I will say, and just and this is just uh, some uh, what I've what I've learned about Nathaniel Hackett the last couple of months. I know people were a little bit afraid when the Broncos hired him. Oh, it's another coordinator. They just hired a coordinator. You touched on it earlier. They literally could not have hired anybody anybody who was more dissimilar from Vic Fangio than Nathaniel Hackett in terms of his personality. Also. The thing, if you ask him about the players, he'll talk about them as people before anything, before anything football-wise. It really, it really is the uh, George Costanza. Do the opposite. 
<laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, it, the, the funniest thing to me ever was just listening to Vic sort of give veiled compliments to someone who had a good game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just wouldn't do it. I mean, yeah. it would, Von Miller, you know, could have the game of his life, and he, yeah, Von could do a little bit better at this or that. And he might have been right, but it's just so opposite of what you expect from a coach these days. Very much so. On the other side, it was a big weekend for March Madness. And certainly a lot of controversy in some games. We're going to get into that on the other side. Afternoon drive with Goodman and Mason. Doug Ottawill in for Eric Goodman, Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Watch us on milehighsports.com. Listen on Mile High Sports Radio 91 FM, 107.5 HD 3 FM in the Denver area. Of course, Eric Goodman on assignment at Andrew Mason here. Doug Ottawa joining me, although he's going to be a little bit on the move here. So we're going to have him on the phone rather than uh, over a, a clear connection. But we're still going to have him here for this segment. If you want to join the conversation, uh, go on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. I'm at Mace Denver or go or tweet at Mile High Sports at Mile High Sports. Very simple on Twitter. Time now for what's twen- What's trending? What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. All right. It was uh, March Madness over the course of the weekend. Dominated the social media conversation, starting with a an eruption over the officiating, particularly down the stretch of the Baylor-North Carolina game, continuing throughout the weekend. So... Doug, you play a lot of basketball. You know about the challenges officials face. What is that challenge in terms of maintaining order in a game like that Baylor-North Carolina game that got highly emotional and probably overly physical uh, through much of the game? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, it's always been physical in the NBA, and I think it's always been a problem. But it's really, really, you know, trickling down to the college game now. You see these guys that are so big and so strong, um, and another thing that I think college basketball does that the NBA actually has right um, is that they allow so much more more of a zone type defense. Even if it's man, teams are playing drop down style. There's there's no such thing as defensive three seconds in college basketball. So I think if you're if you're a big guy, if you're if you're a front line guy, I mean, there's not a whole lot of options to get shots off inside unless you play physical. Yeah. Um, I think college basketball could do a lot for itself by changing those rules to be maybe a little bit more like the NBA, create a little bit more of, you know, one-on-one type situations where guys can show what they can do individually. But when you pack the lane and you're asking big guys to to play a part in your game, that's what they're going to have to do. (laughs) They have to be big and strong to even compete. 
I agree, and that's I, I think you hit the nail on the head with some rules change they can make because what happens down there, you're basically you you're parked down there, and it becomes this kind of form of hand to hand combat, yeah. which isn't. I mean, I'm it's. It's not basketball. It's not basketball. It's best. It's certainly not. It's certainly not putting the athleticism uh, on on display in a way that creates for an attractive game. And that's why. And that's. And I mean. And that's why you you, you see, for example, like one. It, and this isn't in the uh, in the lane, but one thing that we kind of learned in two games, key moments over the weekend, is you can. If a guy, you know, obviously you shouldn't get caught uh, dribbling uh, dribbling back toward the timeline and get into a corner. But literally, you can bump the guy across the timeline, and it's not going to be cold anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 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 definition of, of what contact is and isn't allowed anymore is just it's a blurred line at best. Mm-hmm. And you know, Baylor Baylor was this way last year. And yeah. you think about um, you know um, I'm blanking on his name Mitchell Mitchell that that was their star defender last year. Mm-hmm. I mean one of the most physical guards I've ever watched play. I mean, just incredibly strong. Um, I mean, I don't think in, at my, in my very best day as a basketball player, I could have advanced the ball more than two feet on a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Just so fast and so strong that you're asking both the offense and the defense to, to create contact. I mean, there's no other way around it. So I think that it's tricky, and I don't. I don't want to be the guy that longs for the days of Pistol Pete, where he never carried the ball and his hands always on top of the ball while he's dribbling. But I do think it, they need to take a hard look at how do you stop a guy in the post? How do you stop a, a defender from, you know, hand checking the entire way to the basket? I mean, those are things that that weren't part of basketball, you know. 20 years ago, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to sound like the old guy, but they do significantly change the game. You know, you watch these guys in the post, and going back to the NBA, I have no idea how you stop Nikola Jokic when he's banging into you in the post. How do you do it? You know, something has to give, whether that's you eliminate the offense doing that, or you allow the defense to put a forearm in someone's back and either way it's going to create contact and or frustration like we saw this past weekend yeah at the same time still i mean when i watch the nba does not when i think back to say the late 80s early 90s it's physical but it's not combat physical right i mean i think that that kind of hit its apex with the detroit pistons bad boys back in the day and like and as as brilliant as Michael Jordan was, by and large, the NBA wasn't the most attra- most attractive game back in the 1990s when your your typical score was about 95, 91 in those at that at those times going through the 90s in, into the 2000s. I'd much rather watch the game today than the way it was. Right, and you look at a game like and just off the top of my head, the other night Toronto and Philly played. Mm-hmm. The over under was set at like. 222 and they they didn't even crack 200 and that was a that's a rarity right but you know it was still in the high 190s so you're right the scoring uh has gone way up which i think is a good thing mm-hmm. um obviously the the definition of flagrant flagrant one flagrant mm-hmm. two has helped sort of the eliminate the bad boy style of playing it's still physical but clearly the, the guys can still score exactly by the way how's your bracket doing uh, my bracket is, you know, fairly busted, like most people's, I think. But, you know, when it comes to college basketball, and I know you watch, you watch mm-hmm. quite a bit, and you watch 
quite a bit more than me, I'm pretty sure. I don't have a feel for these teams like I used to. Mm -hmm. just, anything can happen at any given time, obviously. But, uh, yeah, my, uh, my, my feel for picking games is, <laughs> is not very good this year. <laughs> mine, isn't, mine isn't either, but at least I've got my final four still intact. Knock on wood. For the moment, for the moment, we'll see what That's happens. That's pretty impressive, to be honest, considering some of the top end upsets. Well, I did. I didn't like. I didn't like Kentucky uh, to make a deep run. I actually, I, I actually had UCLA coming out of the the East, for example, and they're and they're still standing. And I have Duke winning it all, just because I'm very cynical and I feel like there may be some. There, there may be a certain amount of. Uh, not sympathy, but um, benefit of the doubt. Yes, in Shashevsky's last go around, you have a little bit of that conspiracy theory in you, as do I. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, I appreciate you coming on today, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for making time to fill in for Eric. That was good. hey, you good. bet. It was fun, Mace. Always fun, anytime. All right, we're gonna wrap this up on the other side with just in case you missed it, Danny. What did we miss today? Trevor Story officially has a new home, and the Colorado Rockies making some more roster decisions. LeBron James with more NBA history in his sights. All that on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Eric Goodman on assignment. Andrew Mason here on Mile High Sports Radio, milehighsports.com. Whenever that song comes on, I always think of an episode of The Simpsons, a Halloween episode. After in in the Halloween vignette, there a neutron bomb has gone off, and so Homer has survived by being in a leaden case, the shed, and he thinks everyone else is gone. And so his act is to go down to the church, play war, what is it good for, and strut around the church sanctuary naked and sing along with it. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sing it again. Then he says, okay. <laughs> oh. I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, I man. always think of uh, Rush Hour. Yes. Because they have a great they have yeah. a great scene with that song, oh. too, where Jackie Chan is singing it. That's right. It, it just it, it lends itself to uh, being used in, in films and TV shows and all that. If you want to join the conversation on the Rocky Mountain Forest Park's Twitter feed, I'm at Mace Denver on Twitter. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Well, Trevor Story, unfortunately, no longer a Colorado Rocky. He has found a new home in uh, New England. He will be with the Boston Red Sox, playing on a six-year, $140 million deal. Does adding Story give the Red Sox an edge over Tampa Bay and the Yankees? And... 
a very talented young Blue Jays team who had 90 wins last year as well in a crowded and talented AL East. Yeah, crowded and talented. I mean, it's it's kind of like the uh, the AFC West right now. It, it does give them it does give them an edge. He ought to do he ought to do very well in in, in Fenway Park. Of course, uh, they're going to use him at uh, second base. Correct. I believe so. Yeah, so much for uh, wanting to, uh, insisting on uh, being shortstop. But then uh, a contract like he got could cer- certainly uh, alters uh, one's, think- one's thinking on that. But, uh, yeah, n- no doubt he's going he's going to help. But even though you've got the extra playoff spot in uh, e- the American and National League, so it's going to be three wild card teams as well as the three division winners. I mean, again, they're going to beat up o- on each other. Poor Baltimore is going to be cannon fodder. By the way, I think I saw Baltimore's payroll this year, $30 million, or a little bit above that. I mean, a, a key for all of them is going to be rip, ripping off some some huge number against Baltimore, going like 15-4 and four or 16-3 and three against them, because those other four teams are probably going to take turns punching at each other. I'm, yeah, it's both Eastern divisions are going to be knocked down dragouts this year, I think. Well, at least we will get to watch them in their entirety as uh, the MLB is going to play their full season. Uh, Mm -hmm. Keeping it in the MLB, Colorado Rockies and Ryan McMahon agree to a six-year, $70 million extension. As the 27-year-old second and third baseman coming off a career-best season, McMahon would have been a free agent after the 2023 season, so they're getting this extension out of the way early. What does this signing tell you about the Rockies' plans for McMahon? And his role within the organization moving forward. Well, it's funny because, of course, he's uh, you know you, you look at uh, you look at, at where at where he's at, where he's been, and certainly uh, you know you, you can have him be third base, but you also have Chris Bryant in there. The the flexibility on each, I think, gives you uh, gi- gives you options, and I think it you start kind of looking if you're the Rockies. I think if you can be smart and being genius about how you put the lineups together. And how you can take advantage of the positional versatility that Ryan McMahon and Chris Bryant have, you can maybe manip- you can move some other guys around, and maybe you can have you can have lineups that are a little more tailored uh, to, to what you're facing, depending on whether you're going against a righty or going against a, a lefty. So the more parts that you have that you can move around, the more flexibility you have, and also now that you got the full time DH, here you have a, a window. To give some give, give guys some rest and move some pieces around, so I think versatility. I think you could argue has uh, never been more valuable. I think he, he he's a good fit, and that's a nice price point as well. You you get him at under twelve million dollars a year for the next six years for a, a good solid player who uh, uh, last year OPS seven seventy nine. He's been uh, north of seven hundred OPS the last three seasons. I think that's a, I think that's a solid play for them. Just in case you missed it, legendary broadcaster Al Michaels headed to Amazon to team up with Kirk Herbstreet on the Thursday night football booth. Your thoughts on uh, Al leaving NBC Sports and what that combination will be like for Thursday nights this NFL season? There's no reason why that combination shouldn't work because they're both among the very best at what they do and... uh, to be fair, and this is really dating me, I can't think of a football broadcaster who didn't do good work with Al Michaels. I mean, even 
You know, Boomer Esiason only lasted a couple years in the Monday Night Football booth. He did fine working with Al Michaels, going all the way back to like Lee Gross Cup when they Al Michaels and Lee Gross Cup called college football games on ABC back in the 80s before he moved over uh, to the NFL. So Herb Street being terrific, I think that I think the two of them are going to go are going to go together uh, very well. Um, but I think Herb Street's actually going to be a star in the uh, in the NFL booth and. Um, I, I mean, I, I I really enjoy listening to them. I think really, I can see why they're doing it. It's kind of a super team. I was sort of hoping that they just move Chris Fowler over and have him do Thursday Night Football as well because Fowler and Herb Street have good chemistry. But I think I think Michaels is going to do just fine with Herb Street over there. Yeah, it was interesting to see that uh, Fowler didn't also make mm-hmm. the jump. But I saw a lot of kind of negative reaction to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman just moving over together. People kind of wanted to see a new combination. Yeah. So that's something we'll get from Amazon. And yeah, Herbie's been one of my favorites mm-hmm. in college for a long time. So he brings that unique kind of has a lot of background information on these guys, mm-hmm. especially the young players that he can bring to the NFL broadcast as well. Yeah, I thought in, in the, the game that he did, Chief Broncos Chiefs at the end, I think showed just how insightful he can be, even though he wasn't doing a lot of work on the pros. I think he's going to be terrific. Just in case you missed it over the weekend, LeBron James passed Carl Malone for the number two spot on the NBA's career scoring list, now trailing only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar by 1,440 points. Uh, LeBron currently averaging 29.8 points per game and trails Joel Embiid at 30 points per game in the race for the scoring title. If LeBron is able to pass Embiid, he will be the oldest scoring champ in NBA history at 37 years old. Does LeBron win the scoring title this year playing on an awful Lakers team? And uh, how many seasons do you think he has left in his career to expand on what he'll eventually be the first place all-time leading scorer? Yeah, he'll probably pass Kareem barring injury at some probably uh, mid-season, maybe a little bit past... uh a little bit, a little bit past midseason of next year, and um, look, I think LeBron's made it clear he's gonna he he wants to play with Bronny, and uh, so he's gonna play into. I think it means he's gonna play into his forties, and uh, I think he'll win the scoring title. And I've, part of it is also having James Harden there in Philly. I think maybe takes a little bit away from uh, a little bit away from uh, what Embiid might do, and uh, I think LeBron's going to try to basically shoot LA into the playoffs as much as he can. And I think there it's going to be just a little bit of stand around, watch LeBron do his work, and he'll have some huge nights coming up in terms of scoring. We'll see if that actually does anything positive for them. But uh, they're going to lean on him even more down the stretch, I think. So I think that's why he's going to win the scoring title. Yeah, he had uh, those right. couple of 50-point games the other uh, week, yeah. and so he's already starting to trend in that direction, just the volume and mm-hmm. willing them. To uh, to at least the play in, if not around further. Exactly, and that's the that's the rogue element there. If they get in the play in, and why the Nuggets want to avoid the play in? Because what if LeBron is just ha- having an ungodly night, and that puts you at risk of being out of the playoffs entirely? That, of course, was the final word, and that is afternoon drive for today here, March twenty first, twenty twenty two. Danny and Alex, great job behind the glass, as always. Sensational. Thanks to Doug Ottawill for joining me and filling in for Eric Goodman today. Eric's going to be back here in studio tomorrow with me to talk about everything that comes up. We'll see you then. Have a great night. <laughs>